G'day legends, I hope that you're doing really well. Now today what we're going to talk about is Daniel Burke, the British soldier who went to Ukraine to fight and was found dead in very mysterious circumstances and there's been a lot of blame thrown around. Now the primary blame has landed on an Australian uh, by the call sign Adam, I'll put his real name below here, but then there's been a level of blame too on another Brit by the name of James Sutton. And this has gone through the online, the public forums, the news, and yesterday in a statement that I read from another individual also named James Sutton. So he and James Sutton have lied and caused themselves to be considered the murderer and James complicit in attempting to conceal the murder. James needs to reconsider his role in this and pull out and tell the truth. However, he's greedy for money and doesn't care that Dan is dead or that his mate is the killer. More to come. They won't get away with this. Now, there's going to be a lot more information come out of from that statement over this video as well as in future videos. So, last night after I posted my video with this, James Sutton actually has reached out to me directly. Now, after visually confirming that it is him, which I do with a lot of people to visually confirm, like, you know, is this really who it is? Because, you know, I get a lot of people reach out to me who aren't who they say they are, if that makes sense. Then he has actually given me his account of what has happened and some evidence for the situation. Now, I can't show everything in this as, of course, it is an ongoing criminal investigation. But I have seen all of this unblurred, and I'm going to be sharing with you some screenshots today, but there are significantly more than this. But at the end of the day, I can't share everything publicly. Um, but what I am sharing is fine to be published. And I'm trying to be as transparent as possible but of course, there's some circumstances here. And what I would hate to do is I would hate to potentially jeopardize Daniel's family getting the justice that they deserve and the justice that Daniel also deserves being however these circumstances fell over. This is a disgusting criminal act of what seems to have happened to Daniel. So I hope that those responsible, you know, bloody burn for this. So but once, is, once this is over, I will then, of course, be able to share everything. That said, I did ask James if he would like to do like a podcast interview with me. And he said, no, he'd rather do it the way we did it and me read it out or not use the voice messages as well. Now, in this, I'm going to be giving James's full chat. Now, I have dictated this across, so it is very close to, say, 98% of his wording. But as I was typing and listening, there will be some minor changes, maybe some specific words or shortening of something, but in no way has any message or inf information actually changed in this as well. After the statement, I also ask some questions that I had from the statement and about the situation as well. And James and I are in contact and we can also do a follow-up to any questions that you may have as well. And like everyone will reach out to me and say there will be people also trying to cover their ass in things like this. So until we have, I guess, a bigger, better picture of this, you know, maybe don't make up 100% of your mind yet. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to present James's side of the story of what happened to Daniel. Now, some of this is distressing, but I think it is, you know, very important to know, try and build this image of what has actually then happened. So, here we go. 
Now, this is James, and I'll butt in with bits, and I'll say when it is me. So he goes, I don't even know where to start. Daniel Burke. I've never physically met Daniel. I heard his name, but never crossed paths. The first time he came onto the scene with me was June 18th. We were an assault in Zap. A few guys, including myself, got quite badly injured. I was hit by a Russian sniper. At this time, one of the guys who was badly injured, I believe a charity got involved to try and help him, as he has no family outside of the country, to help him get some stuff into the hospital, things like food, things like that. The person who went to the hospital was Daniel Burke. Daniel went to visit him and took him some food and start the process of leading Zap leaving Zap to return to Kiev. During that time, Daniel and Adam came into contact, as Adam was the only one from that unit of foreigners, Zap. So here we have the three players you need to know. Adam, callsign Adam, is the Australian who, at the moment, is the prime suspect for murder. Daniel is the guy, sadly, has been deceased. And James is the one telling us this. Anyway, he continues... Daniel and Adam spoke a few times and they'd met up and gone to the shooting range. Adam contacted me and said Daniel would like to join our unit. So Adam and James, who we're talking about, they have known each other over the full length of this war, basically. He's looking at getting back into fighting and doing something in the front. Do we have any spaces? I said, I'm not sure, but get him to contact me. I'll ask the question. During this time, Adam and Daniel had a conversation about vehicles because we were needing a vehicle and it was agreed that if we agreed to pay for the repairs of the vehicle, we would be given a black Mitsubishi. This I can confirm later on when I spoke to Daniel and we can confirm this then with then the screenshots. Now I've got two folders, both for Dan's messages and Adam's messages. So what we're going to go through here is then the first contact of um James, who are speaking, who's giving me his course of events, and Daniel, of course, who has been sadly found deceased. Hey, pal, Dan Burke here. Been with Adam the last few days, and he said to contact you. Uh, Blue, of course, is James. Hi, Dan. Adam says you're interested in joining the unit. Yep, that's right. Has Adam filled you in on my background? Adam isn't great at passing over information. If you can send me the voice note of your military background and what you've been up to in Ukraine, pal, that would be helpful. I'm meeting with my commander this week and a couple of British lads that want to join us. So Daniel then sends the Dark Angels website, which you know Daniel was then in. Now, this is said to be the first message by then this signal chat, and we can see that this is Wednesday, the 2nd of August and this car transaction then continues to go through. As you can see from these messages, the first time I spoke to Daniel was the 2nd of August. Very quickly into it, he has noted that he has given the black truck to us. This whole conspiracy of Adam and I have been involved to kill him for the truck is unfounded. Again, this is nine days before shit hit the fan. Now we'll look at then the second screenshot, what is going on here now. There's more in this stuff too, and as well as uh, the voice notes, but I can't use any of <clears throat> those. Uh, long to answer your questions. Also, I've donated that black truck to you guys that Adam currently has. I will be working on getting NVGs, night vision goggles, sorted out over the next month or so. During my, during my and Daniel's conversations, I asked a few questions to Daniel. One being, Dark Angels was at one point the biggest organization of fighters in Ukraine. Why did that end? If you had so many people around you, 
Why are you now alone? Why are you the only person? Daniel told me he had a falling out with other guys and guys had left and some people became more about the media attention and he wasn't about that. During this conversation, I am sharing my story of getting injured and Adam had shown Daniel part of a combat video from my helmet from when I got shot and Daniel made a suggestion that if the guys needed help in raising funds or kit, I can edit any combat footage you have for sponsors. He started telling us about a sponsor he had in the US who was sending him money for donations and buying medical equipment and he seemed more interested in the medical side of it than the fighting. Daniel did edit the footage for us, but it never got sent out to any charities. He did, however, send it to this woman in the US who I did believe made a donation. But that didn't happen until the day before Daniel was killed. So there was no money owed or expected. So the whole thing that there's something about money is unfounded and has been proven to the police. Another theory is that we wanted items in his apartment. I know where that's come from. I had borrowed via Adam a Starlink to Daniel. Daniel was complaining of slow internet in his apartment, trying to edit the videos, and we had a spare Starlink. I had arranged between Adam and him for him to borrow our Starlink. So after all this came around, people asking what was in his apartment at Adam, who was the only person who's been in an apartment, had done a video to show while he was in there with the police what was there. And that was sent out to his all his friends and family, as they were the only ones who could say if anything was missing. And I pointed out the Starlink wasn't Daniel's, it was mine. Everything else in that apartment, I don't know whose it was, and the rumour started that I was after things in his apartment. But I also had to prove to the police that the Starlink was mine. This is proof that the Starlink was mine. With Starlink, you have to individually register. And this was set up to my account. And this has been proven to the police. So I was not interested in anything in his apartment. I believe everything in there was medical stuff. So here we see the messages about the Starlink. Yes, on the video, I did an end credit list. Can Adam, did Adam bring you the Starlink? No, not yet. He's at the base in the trailer. He forgot yesterday. No dramas. I bloody hate PayPal. When it works, it's great. When it's a dick, it's a dick. On another note, it's been suggested that I met Dan because on the 6th of August, Daniel had sent a message to somebody who runs a charity saying that I am with two people you may know. Adam from Oz and James Sutton from the UK. So the theory was, if he had said that on the 6th, maybe I'd met Dan on the 6th. But I'll send you screenshots from me and Dan's messages on the 6th and the day, and another on the 7th, sorry, where Dan says he's looking forward to meeting me. So it shows that Daniel sent that message we hadn't met at that point. So then we have this message here then on the 6th that and a photo of Out for Drinks on the 7th. Love it, brother. Enjoy your night. Chat in the morning. Say hi to your girlfriend. Uh, once I'm settled, I would love to meet her. But Ukraine first. So this was on just after midnight on the 7th of August. Remembering that Daniel said on the 6th to someone else that I've got two guys uh, that he would like you to meet. So this message was on the night of the 6th, as we can see just after midnight. I was in Lviv with my girlfriend drinking. Me and Daniel was having a conversation. On this day, he sent the message to someone else saying that he was with us. I don't know what he meant in the physical sense. I think he meant he was trying to join us. But as you see in this message, Daniel says it would be good to meet. So that's just the background of when Daniel was still alive. I never met him. We spoke almost every day, to be fair, for nine days. I've got another message that I'm going to send you because of the money we were paying for the black Mitsubishi to be repaired was money that was donated and we needed to show transparency of where the money went. 
Daniel did provide me with a receipt for the repairs, but because Daniel's name was on the receipt, I wanted him to confirm that the money was for a legit reason, and Daniel did do that in both verbal voice note and also a text message. So then we have then the voice note, but then from here, um, then the Mitsubishi Warrior L200 had... 15,000 UAH, Ukrainian Rivners. Spend on repair costs. This truss, truck is to be used for frontline purposes rather than medical vac, uh, combat insert, or administration administrative purposes. It has been left with volunteers of the 78th in Zaporanzi uh, under the watchful eyes of James Sutton and Adam. As you can see, this was sent then on the 8th of August. So my conversation with Daniel was about the truck, which has been confirmed. About the Starlink, which I sent you, which I sent you the screenshot of about Daniel editing some footage, which he had done. And I do believe it got out on Facebook, that the footage was released then on Facebook. And that was it. I had already planned to come down to Zap on August the 15th because I had been donated another truck from a charity and I had food from a charity. Whilst I was down there, that was the first time myself and Daniel was going to meet. Now, the problem we had is Daniel had lost all of his identification when he got back into Ukraine. He had lost his passport. He didn't have any military papers or contracts or military passport. Nothing to prove he had prior service in Ukraine, which if you want to get contracted with my unit, that was a big problem. So this was something that me and Daniel was going to sit down and figure out. I kept saying to Daniel, he does need to go and speak to the British Embassy and get a new passport. And Daniel was sort of like, I'll get around to it attitude. I'm unsure if that ever happened. But we were going to meet up and we were going to discuss how we were going to move forward in the future for him to join us without him having a passport. So the messages then on the 11th of August. So here we can see 11th of August. Hey, Dan, do you get the name of the school so we can learn in Ukrainian? There are some voice mentions back and forth. And hey, mate, I'm going to send Adam some money on PayPal for the fund you've set up, about £800. The rest is going to the vehicle. He wants to pay for it on his own once he's got his paycheck in. I told the money's for us and shit like this, but he insisted. So money coming in there. Furthermore, on then that day, a voice message was set back. Uh, I've also lent him my vehicle for the weekend. I'm going to be doing uh, I'm not going to be doing much, so I thought better let him use it till Monday, as the garage doesn't work on the weekend. So Daniel lending Adam his vehicle. Now you can see here on the twelfth, a voice message is sent, and then a message saying, "Are you alive, pal?" From, uh, of course, James to Daniel there, and this will link up more so in a second. So this is where things start to take a turn. The last message I had from Dan, which you can see was about 15.15 on that Friday. This was a voice note. So I know it. I know for a fact it was Daniel. Dan pretty much sent a message saying, uh, I forgot all about it. If you give me an hour, also I'll get onto some person. I know who's arranged uh, this for him before. He's given the information about me having another 30 days off as I was due to end my 30 days medical leave. But because my injuries was part of my lung, I need an additional 30 days off. So he informed me that he'd been informed of that. And that was a voice note. So I know for a fact that was correct. Now let's look at what he is talking about. So we have, these are then the two messages you see on screen that are the last ones. Now, what you will so see, sorry, the gray is Daniel. The blue, of course, is James. But he's saying that this that this is in grey here, the last voice note. So he knows this was 100% Daniel because it was Dan's voice. These other messages about sending Adam money, things like this, and the vehicle for the weekend, this 
he can't confirm because it wasn't a voice note exactly who was actually sending these messages. Now, the issue has always been that Adam was the last person to see Dan, which is true. But I was the last person to speak to Dan because me and Dan had a brief conversation on the Friday evening about 1845 was the last message I'd received from Dan. And as we can see in the message here, it's more like 1910 there. Now things get really weird. Now, I had no reason to believe it wasn't Dan sending me these messages. The only thing that struck me as odd, and it didn't occur to me until the day I was in Zap police station, when he asked me, did everything seem normal with that message? Of course, the policeman asking, did everything seem normal with the message? Well, the thing that struck out to me was Dan normally always sent voice notes, unless it was a very short reply. And I do the same thing. So the fact he sent me quite a long message, it was unusual. But Adam had claimed Daniel had some sort of food poisoning that day or complained of having a bad stomach. So I put it down to he just didn't feel like speaking. And that was it. Now it turns out, actually, Adam had sent these messages from Daniel's phone. I don't know the reason why. I can only imagine trying to cover up or to try and make people think that Dan was still alive after he'd returned to Zap. But I am unsure of that. So this is the Friday I've spoken with Dan. Also, I thought it was Dan. I believe Dan was going to have some drinks that evening and have a Zoom or FaceTime with some friends or family back home. And that was the end of it. I didn't get back to Ivana from Kursk until gone midnight. So I went straight to bed. I didn't hear from Dan. And on the Saturday afternoon, I sent a message seeing if he was okay, as I hadn't heard anything at this point, but I had heard from Adam. I said, I hadn't heard anything from Dan. Have you spoken to him? And Adam said, no, but I think he's probably hung over as he was drinking last night. And that was it. On the Sunday, I got a message or maybe a phone call. I can't remember from Adam saying, ah, we're deploying out to the trenches. I still have a few of Dan's vehicles, but he's not answering the phone. I said, okay, you know, maybe you should go to his apartment as Adam knew where he lived and see if he's still there. And Adam did. Also, he says he did. Went to his apartment, knocked on the door. There's no sign of him. I said, I'm with my girlfriend. She's Ukrainian, so she can speak the language. I'll ask her to phone the police and zap to see if maybe Dan has gone out and maybe been locked up or something. She called the cops and they said, no, they didn't have him, but they could call the hospitals around zap to see if he'd been in. But they could only do that if we could file a missing persons report, which we then did. And I do question this at the end of the video. About an hour after filing the report with the police in Lviv, the police asked if we could come in and do the report again, but this time a physical handwritten one, which we did. Police and Zap had been messaging us, asking us questions like where Dan was last seen and all his stuff. So there was no communication between the two police forces, of course. James, at this point, is in Lviv. And what has happened to Dan? Dan is in Zap. They asked a lot of questions which I didn't have, like his height and weight, date of birth. But I'd never met Dan. I couldn't answer any of this. So I had reached out to one mutual friend and the only person I know who also knew Dan and asked if he had heard from him. And he hadn't. And then he created a group chat and added those who knew Dan. And from that, I was able to ask these questions and relay to the police. But keep in mind, I am not the one speaking to the police. It's all going through my girlfriend. This is why all the questions and answered are going through me as I was the only one with the translator. So, so I'm already due to go to Zaporizhia on the 15th. The Zap police was aware and they asked, while you were here, can you come in and give a written statement? No problem. So I went down. 
I sat with myself and girlfriend for about four hours. During this time, they're asking me questions which I'm having to pose to both the family and to friends in order for someone to give me the answer, to give Dan to the police because, again, I don't know Daniel. And this was the case because I was the only person on the ground who had a vehicle and didn't have to be in a certain place at a certain time. As you know, still recovering from an injury to the lung. Unlike Adam, who was obviously contracted, having to be in certain places at certain times. The friends and family were sending me suggestions. Can you look in this restaurant? Can you speak to this person? Can you go here and have a look? And I spent three days in Zap doing that. Disgustingly, Adam was also sending me suggestions asking me to look in the forest around his apartment that Dan used to go jogging around. And on the other side of the forest, there's a place you could buy alcohol, suggesting maybe Daniel went to buy alcohol Friday evening and something had happened in the forest. So I did, myself, my girlfriend, and one of Daniel's friends. And now this friend is actually the one I then got the statement off yesterday, who you know sort of throws James in front of the bus as well, waiting on more back from him too. We walked around the forest and it was huge and found nothing. So after three days, my trip to Zap had come to an end. I needed to be back in Lviv on Friday for a medical appointment, so I left. But unfortunately, while in Zap, I got no answers. One thing I will say is the only time I've seen Adam since all this was the evening I arrived in Zap. I spoke to the police and then met up with Adam for food. I sat down with my girlfriend and Adam. I looked Adam straight in the eye. Now, Adam is known to be a very poor liar. He's a panicker and a worrier. And if he's lying, I thought, you can always tell. So I looked him in the eye and asked, Adam, did something happen? Was there an accident? Are you telling me the fucking truth? Because you need to tell me and you need to tell me right now. And God is my witness. He looked straight back at me. And with no signs of any kind of anxiety, he said, nah, mate, nothing. I dropped him off to his apartment and that's the last I'd heard of it. And I believed him. And I'm saying to him, Adam, the police are going to call you back from the front line so they can interview you. And Adam's response was good. At least I'll get to eat some decent food. And I said, you don't understand the severity, mate. If they're calling you back from the front lines, it's because you're the last person to see Daniel. It's a very serious matter. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. But um, to be honest, I'll be glad to be around and I can help the police and I can sleep in an old bed and eat some decent food. And in that moment, I was 100% convinced Adam had done nothing wrong. If it was me, I would have been fucking shitting myself and he was just no worrying whatever. Almost an innocent naivety about him. At that moment, I was 100% convinced this kid has done nothing wrong. Over the course of the few weeks, after things had obviously gotten quite nasty between Dan's friends and myself, a lot of accusations was flying around and I chose to stop all communications with them. But I was still speaking with the police and Daniel's family and still trying to follow some kind of leads. I was going to find out who Daniel Burke was, did he have any enemies, what was going on in his life, why was he all alone after Dark Angels, as we know Dark Angels was the military unit that, um, of course, Daniel was part of. Everyone I spoke to in Dark Angels has the same thing to say about Daniel Burke, which was they all slowly but surely left Dark Angels because Daniel made a lot of promises with money and it never transpired. Daniel had apparently been receiving a lot of money, but he wasn't giving guys salaries or whatever was promised to them. So I thought, well, maybe that is an issue. If he owes someone money, maybe he has run away. So I quite proactively defended Adam and looked for answers as to what could have happened if he was still alive, if he's on the run or if someone killed him. 
Now, a Facebook post was put out by someone called Brendan Phillips, which said he was not accusing anyone, but went on to speak about me and Adam and posting photo of us, which ended up on Track Anansi Merck, a telegram that really tracks these guys fighting in Ukraine. And to be honest, mate, that really pissed me off. I spoke to Brendan briefly before he put this post up and gave him the opportunity to speak to me and ask me anything he wanted, but he didn't seem interested. Once he put this post up, I went back to Brendan and said, you had every opportunity to ask me questions. And in that moment, I realized he's quite smart and has taken little bits of what he wanted for him then to produce what he produced on Facebook, even though parts of it he knew wasn't true. Like for instance, when I had a falling out with his friend on this group chat, which he was on, I said, I'm not answering any more of your fucking questions. And then I left the chat. This was say two weeks before Brendan had done this post. I said, Brendan, I gave you the chance to ask me any questions, but he said, yeah, but two weeks ago, you said you're not answering anyone else's questions. I said, yeah, but I came to you three days ago and said, if you wanted to ask me any questions, then please ask. And then Brendan said, yeah, but I took you on your first comment you made two weeks ago where you said you wouldn't answer. It was him covering his own ass, but it was a dirty trick to pull. In that moment, I thought, I'm not going to be quiet anymore. I'm going to be loud. I've got shitloads of journals who are sending me messages. The family is, of course, making a lot of noise, which I understand, because they're trying to get some traction. And in this moment, I thought, you know what? I will speak to the journals, and I'll tell them what I know. And that's what I do until the day I found out exactly what happened, and now that's bitten me on the ass. So for most of this time, Adam was in hospital because he has some sort of grenade shrapnel injury, and I knew Adam was being released on Wednesday, and I knew the police in Zap wanted to re-interview Adam, and Adam wanted to go back to Kiev. I believe at this point, Adam was in Dnipro. I said, Adam, there's no point you going back to Kiev. Come to Zap, get the interview done, and then you can move on. And that's what Adam done. However, the interview wasn't so straightforward. I don't know the reason behind it, and maybe one day we'll find out, but Adam ended up being in the police station about 13 to 14 hours, which was strange. During this time, one of Adam's friends had contacted a lawyer because Adam wasn't making much sense. He was still able to text, but he was saying, the police are telling me to say this and say that. So one of Adam's friends contacted a lawyer to try and help Adam. That evening, Adam declined a lawyer, saying, I don't need one. I'm being released. All is good. I'm going to stay in a hotel in Zap. On the Thursday, I sent him a message saying, what's your plans now? What did the police say is the next step moving forward? And he said, no, no, the police said they'd call me if they need anything. I said, due to all the threats from Facebook, don't stay around Zap too long. Maybe get back to Kiev. I said, I'm going to visit a doctor in Zap Hospital who helped me when I was injured and have a coffee with him. And that was the end of it. About 1600 that afternoon, I got a message from Adam's friend who had arranged the lawyer for Adam, saying the lawyer can't get a hold of him. Can I give him your number? At that point, I hadn't seen the message and he must have already given their lawyer my number. So the lawyer called me and said, Adam is with the police, but I can't get a hold of him. Do you know where he is? And I said, that is a mistake. Adam is not with the police. He was going to visit a friend at the hospital, but I can call him and call you back. I called Adam. I asked if he was with the police and he said, no. And I said, your lawyer seems to think you are. So can you call him? He said, yes. And I said, let me know how it goes. And that was that. And then I got a call maybe 10 minutes later from Adam. And that is a conversation I will never forget verbatim until the day I die. I'll send you a screenshot of that call and the conversation then 
afterwards. So let's look over then this conversation and the call here. So here we have this phone call at 16.36 from Adam to then James. It says, please don't tell this person. I don't know what to do. I'm really sorry. And James said, you fucked me, Adam. The world will know soon enough. Don't worry about this person. Was you with the doctor today or are you showing the police the body? Now, the next message, Adam, you didn't need to tell me the truth. You could have just told me not to get involved. I've defended you through it all. No one will believe I didn't know. I'm in utter shock. You had no lawyer yesterday. You do want one now. You're a mate. I doubt I'll forgive you. But for now, you need to look after yourself. Effing R. I'll call you in a second if that's okay. I'm really sorry. I promise I'll clear your name. Did you use his phone on the 11th? Why was his phone active? When was the 11th? The Friday. Now, in the same minute, the reply goes, Monday or Tuesday this week, and shows that Daniel Burke last seen September 11th at 21.34, last active, then on this uh, messaging app. Now, I threw in a field at night while doing 100 on the Friday night, and the keys. What's 100? Well, kilometers. For fuck's sake, maybe someone found it. It says, I don't think so. The password. Must have been the police with the laptop. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. I don't understand why you kept up the lies, Adam. You went back to the apartment. You told me the following week to look in the woods around his apartment. I'm sorry I don't know what to say. I called someone and didn't know what to do. I'm really sorry if I can ever make it up to you. You could have just thrown him in the truck and drove a thousand miles an hour to the nearest hospital. Accidents happen. It could have been explained. Now, those are the messages of which I can share with you. Now we're going to get a little bit more information around before and after these messages. I can't show you the screenshots, but I have uh, what James says happened, and I've also seen the other screenshots of this. So we're going to roll back and forward a little bit on the screenshots than you've just seen. So approximately 10 minutes later, Adam calls me back. I asked if he spoke to the lawyer, and he said yes, and I also spoke too, and then paused. You're going to hate me, James, but I hope one day you'll forgive me. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, who could have you spoken to that was going to make me hate him? And he said, I did kill Daniel. And I said, what? He says, I killed him and I buried him. I don't know what it was. In the moment, maybe I was in some sort of denial. And my only question was, who are you with? Thinking maybe someone is making him say that. And he said, I'm alone. I asked, where are you? And he said, next to the police station. I said, are you telling me the truth, Adam? Did you kill Daniel? And he said, Yes. I said, are you fucking kidding me right now? Did you tell the police? And he said, yes. And I said, why the fuck aren't you in jail? And he's like, oh, I don't know. In that moment, I said, you need to get off the phone to me and call your fucking lawyer. I don't know what else to say to him at that point. I just got off the phone. And as you can see from the screenshot, the call came in from Adam was at 1636. And I was just fucking, to be honest with you, Willie, I had no idea how I felt. It was just such a mixed bag of emotions. I was shocked, angry, confused. In that moment, I felt like crying. I couldn't believe it. And I just felt, what a fucking idiot I am, regardless of him. How didn't I see it? How didn't I put dots together? So everyone is saying this has happened and Adam was the last person to see him. Something must have happened. And man, fuck, I think I am blind because maybe I'm biased, but I thought I knew Adam. It's something I'm still questioning now, how I was blinded. So after this, I had a million and one questions. I'm unsure how much you can use. It could cause some problems in the investigation. But effectively, Adam's version of events was 
he was doing some training with a buddy strap and taking in turns using it. Now, this is what we see from the statement that I'd received yesterday in this as well. And this is what is said to have then happened. Andrew over with Adam as a passenger. I suspect Dan was driving at the point of a gun to teach that this how to use Agilite buddy straps. Dan was switching to casualty recovery away from direct fighting. So that buddy straps bit lines up across these two bits. So taking in turns using it. And someone noted in your channel was Dan would never go beyond a checkpoint without PPE, body armor, helmet. Well, Daniel did have his PPE with him, but neither of them was using it. The armor was in the vehicle. And this is very common to put your armor just in the back seat, not driving anywhere. So Adam was doing what he was doing. And Dan had a go at Adam saying, stop flagging me. A lot of countries use the term lazing as well, meaning just if you've you've got your gun, just you know, going past me, not putting it up, dipping it down, things like this. Pretty normal stuff. Adam claimed he had pointed his rifle at Dan as a joke to say, why are you afraid? It's on safe. He pulled the trigger and it was not on safe. It was on full auto. Apparently one round hit Dan in the side of the head and Dan had fallen to the floor. Adam said he was pretty sure he was dead. Maybe he was dead. He wasn't moving, but his hand was twitching. He said, I wanted to stop him from twitching. So Adam shot him again, apparently out of panic and then buried his body near the makeshift shooting range. Now, this is an important point. Daniel's phone was active last Monday, which was the 11th of September. And that was sent to me by a friend of Daniel's, which we see in the screenshot, who is also a journalist, and asked me if anyone had Daniel's phone, as the confession didn't come until Thursday the 14th. And I said, no. So I sent this to a few people. Someone was able to access geolocation on his number and said it came back from Barcelona. I knew Dan had tyres in Spain, but I didn't know where. So right up until the time Adam admitted to me, I was 100% confident that Dan was living his life somewhere in Spain. I fully believed it. And I went on to say, Adam, fuck Adam, were you accessing his phone on Monday? Turns out it was the police who had assessed Dan's laptop. And we believe that Dan must have been using some sort of VPN to make it look like he was in Spain. Now, I can't show you the full conversation due to the criminal investigation currently going on. So that's pretty much where I am, Willie. I have uh, obviously spoken to a lawyer myself to see what implications are for me. I've spoken to the police and the police have all these screenshots. The police said they're not really worried about it and they asked if I knew. So I gave them all I could. So I suppose that's the end of it criminally for me, but I'm always going to have this stigma and theories that I must know. I don't blame people for it. If I was outside looking in, I'd have the same theories too. I don't know what I'm going to do or what I can do to try and limit people badmouthing me, naming me publicly and ostracizing me is probably my responsibility I just have to carry. This whole thing has been mental for the last five weeks. It appears to me I must be the only person on this fucking planet to have not seen this outcome. Adam says it was an accident. I don't know if I can believe anything Adam says ever. I've known Adam for 18 months now. He's always been quite naive. But when he told me he didn't, I was convinced he was being genuine. So that's a full rundown of the events from James' perspective in this. As with everything online, until things come out officially, until it goes beyond reasonable doubt, we need to take everything with a grain of salt. And I, it does suck that I can't show you all the screenshots, everything of this on here, but I don't want to jeopardize any criminal proceedings going on from here. So my first question was, well, what's happened to Adam now? I heard he's not being held. 
James says, I'm not sure. From my understanding, he's under some kind of house arrest. So I asked, why did you and your partner submit a missing person so quickly for someone you didn't know and was on the other side of the country? I knew two people that knew Dan. At that time, I contacted both and asked if they had heard from him over the weekend. One of them admitted that him and Dan had a falling out and hadn't communicated for some time. The other, a journalist with the Sun newspaper, said he hadn't and his messages had remained unread over the weekend. We called the police to see if he had been arrested and they suggested we file the missing persons report whilst we were there, whilst we were on the phone, so they could contact the hospitals. I didn't see any harm in doing this. So question number three regarding the statement from yesterday's video. The guy who sent me the statement from yesterday's video seems to think you're complicit in hiding this. Wouldn't those close to this see and understand these screenshots? Why do they think you're still complicit? James' answer was, if I publicly take a shit in my hand and present it to the public, there will always be someone near who says it isn't my shit. And people are looking for answers and people are looking for a reason and rhyme as to why, who, what, when. I'm unsure exactly who's seen all these screenshots, but they've been shared with the family and, as noted before, also with the police. In the statement you got off another individual, it says James Sutton needs to figure out what stance he's going to take and come clean, which he won't. He is greedy and all about the money. It is easy for him to say, but he needs to further back up that with proof and evidence. Now, I've reached out for further comment off that individual about the statement yesterday for proof, evidence, things like this, but I'm waiting for a reply. And I was told that more is definitely coming. I didn't owe Dan any money, so I'm unsure what he means, but I am greedy. I've never asked him for anything. It's, it's easy to throw that out there. Me being greedy and all about money is completely unfounded. I'll back up all I say with screenshots and the voice notes. Dan and I spoke a lot as I was on medical leave, bored as fuck, and he wasn't in a unit, so he had very little to do, so we spoke a lot. But I notified the police quickly, as Dan had never gone longer an hour without replying. People are always going to believe I am complicit, and that's my responsibility to bear as I so aggressively stood by Adam. I don't really care on people's opinions, but surely give a reason for that opinion. Question number four was, in the restaurant, when you asked Adam straight out if something has happened, why did you feel that need to ask? At this point, there was no indication anything sinister had happened. Whilst I was with the police in Zap, they asked to see all the messages between myself and Daniel from Friday the 11th of August, still thinking I was the last person Daniel had communicated with. After they saw the messages, they asked if the final messages looked normal to me. At that time, I realised and communicated to the police that actually, Daniel would send voice notes if he had a lengthy message, where all these messages were written, where, where all these messages were written. It then also occurred to me that the message started with, hey mate, which Dan never said before. However, Adam always started his communication like this. This was also communicated to police that day. That's what prompted me to ask Adam directly if anything had happened that day and if he had sent the messages from Dan's phone and replied firmly, no. I looked him in the eye and showed no sign of anxiety or nervousness. Up until this point, Adam had proven to be a bad liar to the point it was comical. But in that moment, I was behind Adam 100%. And I asked, why do you think Adam killed Daniel? There doesn't seem to be a motive. I have no logical explanation for what happened. Adam says it was an accident, but I don't know what to believe. 
So, Legends, that is all the information that I have. I wish I could add all the screenshots, all the everything I have with this, but I can't at the moment with all the criminal stuff going forwards from here. So, let me know what you think of, I guess, this breakdown of the story. I know it does jump around a little bit, but I do think this does give a fair idea of James's perspective at what happened in this as well. So, I'll be following along and seeing exactly what then comes out more of this. And I'm guessing more people will reach out to me with things from this as well. But I do appreciate James actually reaching out to me through this and contacting me and spending a few hours going through this with me. Legends, thank you so much uh, for spending this amount of time with me. If you'd like to support me in continuing doing this work, there's links down below, but never feel obliged. Thank you very much. I'll see you. Oh, I can't talk. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.